Acts chapter 18, verse 12 through 21. But while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or of vicious crime, O Jews, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if there are questions about words and names and your own law, look after it yourselves. I'm unwilling to be a judge of these matters. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. And they all took hold of Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him in front of the judgment seat. But Gallio was not concerned about any of these things. Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren and put out to sea for Syria. And with him were Priscilla and Aquila. In Centria he had his hair cut, for he was keeping a vow. They came to Ephesus, and he left them there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And they asked him to stay for a longer time. He did not consent, but taking leave of them and saying, I will return to you again if God wills. He set sail from Ephesus. Let's bow in prayer. And Lord, I pray that you just help me to say a few of these things on my heart and that it would make sense and it would resonate and connect with your people. Jesus' name, amen. Last week, the question was, is God with us? Now, if God is with us, what better news could any of us have than to know that God is with us? And in this chapter, though I didn't read it, God told Paul in verse 9 that he was with him. And he says, I still, I have many people in this city. Do not fear. Nobody's going to harm you. I have many in this city. Uh, and that's in verse 10. I have, so that shows that God is in control. I was just in Proverbs chapter 21 uh, this morning, and it says that the, the king's heart is like channels of water, uh, and God steers it however he wants. God is in Control, And we even see how Paul acknowledges that in these verses I read from. Did you notice that when he says in verse 21 and taking leave of them saying, I will return to you again if what? If God wills. So do you see how this really shows? And I'm telling you that theology that's teaching people that God's really not in control or that he won't override somebody's right to free will just does not fit with Scripture. God steers the king's heart like channels of water in his hands. And if God wills, I'll be back. And you know, the book of James clearly says, be, walk in humility and don't say, tomorrow I'm going to do this or this, I'll do that. But to say, if, if God wills. Because our will, though we do have a will, is in submission to God's will. Why, even our Savior said that, didn't he? prayed that. Not my will, but thy will be done. So here Paul is, and the the slides help us go just a little bit quicker. He had been up here in this region, this province called Macedonia. And you remember he then comes down here into this province called Achaia. And he was in Athens. And then he decides to go 46 miles to his west over here to Corinth. 
And in this chapter, what we saw is he just left Corinth, came down to Sancria, which is the port, and heads over to Ephesus. And that's where he leaves, and he says, I'll be back if the Lord wills. And he comes back here. Uh, or the first verse. This was, I show this was Claudius. He was the Caesar. And so last week I showed that's who Claudius was. In the first part of chapter 18, he makes all the Jews leave Rome. And now why is that important today? Well, why does Gallio say, hey, this isn't my problem. You guys figure this out yourself. See, there's a reason Luke is telling us that Claudius forced all of them to leave Rome, and that was because the ruckus that was going on. But this is how Paul then meets Aquila and Priscilla. And so this was Claudius. He came after Caligula, but after him would be Nero. So advance. Thank you. And so Claudius, uh, and not Claudius, kicks them all out of, Claudius kicks them all out of Rome, and here come Aquila and Priscilla, and they meet up with, and they meet the Apostle Paul here. Now his, his home is up here in Pontus. This is the Black Sea, and Ukraine is in the north part of the Black Sea. Advance, please. While Paul was here at Athens, his spirit provoked him because they had this plaque that said to an unknown God, advance. And this was the very place where he was standing in Athens. And from here then, he, and you can see those are people up there on top of Areopagus. From there, he heads west, 46 miles, advance. Uh, no, before, this is the place that he was speaking up there to all of them, and the Areopagus, um, and declaring that God is Lord. So now he heads west. You see Corinth is right here. And here's Sancria that he would head over to Ephesus. Why am I doing this? Because a lot of times when people read the Bible, here's a bunch of names. A bunch of names I can't pronounce, a bunch of places I've never been. And it's like, what does any of this mean to me? <laughs> Hold on. Okay, next slide. So here is when he's in Corinth, he gets called before Gallio, who's called the uh, proconsul, and the proconsul it was the chief leader of that province, that Roman province. Now, he's already had to do this once before in chapter 13. I don't know if you remember this. In, in chapter 13, he had to go before the proconsul, and this was called the Bema, or the judgment seat, where he would have had to have stood trial. And his trial doesn't take very long at all here in Corinth, because Gallio says, I want nothing to do with this. And then they start to beat Sosthenes, somebody that Paul had led to faith in Christ. And they're accusing Paul, hang with me, they're accusing Paul of, of saying things that are contrary to Scripture, contrary to the law. So you got a false accusation, and then you have an injustice happening. And you live your life in this world where there are false accusations that are made against you, Correct. And there are injustices that you and I have to deal with on a regular basis. And that's even if we're not serving Jesus. Imagine when you decide you're going to get out there and you're actually going to try to serve Jesus like Paul is doing and Sosthenes is doing and Priscilla and Aquila and, and all the others of this team with him. And so now they start beating, uh, they start beating Sosthenes. Now, which would you rather, don't answer out loud here, but honestly, would you rather, if, if someone is going to attack, would you rather them attack someone you love, or would you just rather them just go ahead and attack you? And, and so you, try to think, Paul's not going, phew, I'm glad Sosthenes and not me. 
this is a total injustice. This is terrible what's happening here. And this was, that's the spot where it happened. Okay, next slide. When he had first, his very first missionary journey, he comes to Cyprus. And here was Salamis. And that's where the magician starts opposing him. And that's what puts him before this proconsul. At that time, you back in chapter 13, verse 7. And that proconsul believes. Chapter 13, verse 12. That guy believes. So I think Paul is very hopeful uh, when he gets to now go before Galileo that he's probably hopeful that uh, I've already led one proconsul to Christ. Here's another chance. And next slide. This should be black. Nope, I just said next slide. There you go. Thank you. So, so now, what's the point of today's lesson? The problem with the Christian life is not God. It's people. It's people. That's point number one. And many times frustrations call us to, to cry out and wonder why God isn't answering. Or why isn't He producing? And it's the so-called believing community that will attack you when you step out and you really try to serve Jesus. And so there have been many a times that I've had to talk somebody who's stepped out to help with a particular ministry. I've had to almost talk them off the ledge, if, if you know what I mean by that. Because the so-called believing community often speaks a bunch of junk that they shouldn't be speaking. They have no idea all that the person has gone through before they're trying to now step out there and serve. And the problem with the Christian life is not God. So this morning I was in Psalm 5. How long, O Lord? How long? And I wish we could really get that because what I've noticed in ministry is people start getting upset with God, and if they don't admit that, here's what they do. I'm done. I'm no longer serving. Well, who are you up? You see, don't take it out on God. And I know you're not meaning to do that. But isn't this in a sense what happens when you say, you know what? I'm checking out. These people are not treating. They're vicious. Yeah. They're people. And what the Apostle Paul has to do, I think, is he has to remember what it was like when he was persecuting the church. Man, if I could just remind myself every once in a while how highly critical I used to be of preachers. Then, then maybe I could give others who think they have the gift of criticism, maybe I could give them a break. Ah, no temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, will provide the way of escape also so that you may be able to endure it. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And so often, we think that temptation means something internal, something just going on on the inside. I think the temptation is also when we just don't feel like serving Jesus the way that we all know that we should serve Him. The temptation to say, you know what, I'm throwing in the towel on this and I'll let some others do it for a while. So a big church uh, with a new building and I was talking to one of the retired missionary and he and his wife are teaching Sunday school first graders. 
his words, he said, have been demoted. Now, see, I think that's a promotion to get to teach, teach kids. I, <laughs> I do. I think I love kids, but you know, so I and this other person said, Oh, we don't consider that a demotion. And he said, Well, we've got many people coming, but none of those parents will step up and help teach Sunday school. See, there's this temptation to just let others do it, especially in our country. So God may be tugging on somebody here to be stepping out or to keep on keeping on, and maybe you haven't. Um, But Paul takes his stand, and Paul opens, he's about to open his mouth in verse 14. Paul has this false accusation in verse 13 when they say, look with me, this man persuades men to worship God contrary to law. But, verse 18, we're told that he had his hair cut for he was keeping a vow. Well, what vow was he keeping? Most everyone thinks he's keeping the Nazarite vow here. Numbers chapter 6. Paul's not teaching contrary to law. The Nazarite vow was this way. If you wanted to get closer to God and you just wanted to show your devotion to God, Numbers chapter 6 lays out how you're supposed to go out about doing this. And this most likely is what Paul was doing. And you didn't cut your hair. You stayed away from anything to do with wine or grapes. And now Paul then has his hair cut. And I don't think, I don't think Luke's just throwing this in here for no reason. I think he wants us to see he's not contrary to scripture at all. When someone is saved, a Jew doesn't have to start acting like a Gentile, and a Gentile doesn't have to start acting like a Jew. And I wish we could get that. But boy, here will come all the border bullies who don't want you to just follow Christ and listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and they'll start telling you what you can and what you cannot do. We would all like something that makes the Christian life easy. We really want our walk with Christ. That was point number two. We want our walk with Christ to be a walk in the park. We we want it to be a cakewalk. And when I read like what Paul and Sosthenes and his travel companions are going through, uh, what I see is here's this gifted, empowered by the Spirit of the living God, apostle named Paul, and that what has made his Christian life easy. Nothing. My experience has been that I'm always looking for something that's going to make the Christian life easy. And yet I've never found it. I've, I've found ways to tap into God's power and God's strength and God's encouragement. But it's always a battle. Always. In men's group, we meet Friday mornings, 7 a.m. When we went through uh, Timothy and Titus and then First Peter... Here's what I never see the Apostle Paul or Peter saying. They never say, escape suffering at all costs. What they say is endure suffering. Don't look for it. Don't invite it. You know, all those kinds of things. But don't run from it. Don't back away. This is not a cakewalk, nor were we ever told that it would be one. But here's what we are promised. God is with us. And you tell me, is there any better news than to know that, that God is with us? We can get through 
anything as long as we know God's with us. And, and, and God shows up in a vision for Paul to know this. This is how adamantly God wanted him to know it. He wants us to know. He wants you to know it. God, God is with you. And he's not with you to make your life easy. Do not underestimate what Christians will do for leisure, comfort, and convenience. We will want the whole worship service to be about our comfort and our leisure and our convenience. Why don't you start at this time and why don't you just end at that time? Because you're impeding on my convenience. That same person that told me that they were demoted to teaching first grade. And no, you're not. Some of you are going, I'll go teach that first grade there. No, teach it here. Don't You say, some of you are like, oh, I want to go help. Said this. We don't even go to the worship service. We just listen to Dr., and I won't say his name, on the radio. That's convenient. It's convenient, but I just don't know that that's what God really wants. This was never, ever meant to be uh, a cakewalk. Oh, I'm going for the clicker here. Uh, so, uh, here we go. Whew. Life uh, is not a cakewalk. And so, here's man's problem. He's separated from God. God's over on the green side. And uh, that's eternal death. This, this slide is really nice down there in the middle. But really, it's hell. And it's amazing for me to think, next slide, how God, the great lengths God went to to save us all from hell so that we could walk across resting in the cross. That part is easy. Receiving eternal life is a gift. You simply receive it, right? It's just now following out God's purposes that it's not going to be easy because there's a devil who wanted us all in hell. And sure doesn't want us setting other captives free. And he's gonna pull, he's not gonna pull any punches whatsoever. And oh, you wanna step out now? You wanna step out and lead in Sunday school? You wanna step out and actually help with this ministry or that ministry? Well, God does have plans, but guess who else has some plans for you? And his plans are the devil. Y'all didn't answer. Okay. The devil. And that's because earlier I said don't answer out loud. I know. The devil just wants you to crawl back in that shell. Because every time the turtle sticks his head out of that shell, it's either raining or it's cloudy or there's something scary. So it just withdraws and goes right back into that shell where it's safe. The only problem is it's really lonely in there. And it's really dark in there. And that's not where you were meant to stay. What, what we are meant to do is be so thankful for that cross that we get onto God's purposes for our lives. Come what may. Really, come what may. And if you're expecting the Christian life to be easy, here's your reminder. It's not. And don't we see that in chapter 18? That's what I see in chapter 18. And the blame is not with God. You want to get upset with somebody, get upset with the demonic realm. That's who to get upset with. That's what Paul did in chapter 16. He cast the demon out. 
But I hope that you will see in that slide right there, if anyone hasn't, I, I hope that you will see that this is how you are saved. God is the one who bridged the gap. And it wasn't easy, was it? He actually said, Father, if there's any way, remove this cup from me. Not my will, but thy will be done. So, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this gathering together of worship. Receive our worship, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, let our lives be more about you than they are about us. And forgive us for the ways that we always seem to try to make it all about ourselves. We don't mean to, Lord. We're sorry for that. Help us to live for your glory. Just pray, Lord, that whatever we may face this week, that we would know that you are with us. I'm asking that you would strengthen and empower your people. Empower this church right now. And bless this time of altar ministry. In Jesus' name, amen.